So a few weeks ago, we talked about this concept of paradox. The two things that seem to contradict each other, both can be true at the same time. And we said that um, we're not always able to see how two things that seem to contradict each other both be true at the same time. Um, we said that if we look at the story of Jesus in the boat, yeah, he was sleeping, but there was a storm going on. There was deep, restful sleep and a storm that was rocking the boat. And we said that actually our mind can't quite compute that. If I think of the best night's sleep I've had, did most definitely not involve a storm, a rocking boat, and water being splashed on my face. Okay? Um, I'm sure that if I ask anybody in this room, you associate good sleep with... I'm oh, sorry, I'm not looking at the parents for any reasons. Let me look at the non-parents. If I look at you, re, good sleep, you associate with quiet, dark, a bed, most likely, not a boat. But... In Jesus, both those things were true. He wasn't sleeping deeply because, you know, he took a pill before they went on the boat or because he was such a deep sleeper or because... No, no, he was sleeping peacefully and he was in a deep, restful sleep at the same time that the storm was going on. And even though our minds, our human minds, can't quite comprehend how can that happen, the disciples were like, Jesus, are you kidding me? They were shaking him awake. They couldn't understand either. How can this be true? They were like, we haven't slept a wink. We're like here trying to tame the storm, as if they could. But in him, both those things are true. And we said this. Um, they said a few statements that we said, and there's many more to add. And we said that I can be a good mother, and I lost my patience today. Both true at the same time. I can be a good friend, and I have not replied to some messages. I can agree with the politician's point of view, and I cannot vote with them. Both true at the same time. I can disagree with someone and still think they're great. I can love someone and sometimes hurt their feelings. Both true, both at the same time. I can love my job and want to break from it. I can be amazing at my job and never have gone to university for that job. I can experience deep hurt and pain at the same time I experience deep healing. Both those things can be true at the same time. And all these and more are both true at the same time. And this morning, I want to encourage you to spend some time to think about the contradicting thoughts that you might have. These are the ones that I thought about, and some of them, they're mine. Uh, I'm not expecting Nigel to say I'm a good mother and I lost my patience today. Um, I mean, he can if he wants to. But each one of us have our own different contradicting thoughts that um, get us to question and wrestle with things. And they'll be different from mine. But they will tell you about you. They will reveal what are the things underneath the paradox. Because it, the truth is, when I have two opposing thoughts that seem to fight within me, I need to question, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? What is underneath this? Because we all have this question at some point or another in our life, and it seems that much of life is trying to, to find the answer to questions. Um, what is underneath that's making me question if I'm a good friend? 
if I'm a good mother, if I'm a good employee, if I'm a good assistant, if I'm a good daughter, if I'm a good friend, if I'm a whatever it is, what is underneath that's making you question that? So let's look at Jesus for a moment. Because he was in a restful sleep and he was in a rocking boat in the middle of a storm. He was a rabbi, someone that people are meant to uh, follow and learn from, but he was also healing on a Sabbath, which in those times was um, breaking the law. So he was a rabbi that everyone was meant to look at, and he was breaking the law. Ooh. He was a king, and he was born humbly. For the people of those days, and for us today, these things don't seem to go forward. How are you telling me to follow and do what a person, a rabbi even more so, does that breaks the law. How am I meant to follow someone that breaks the law? Ooh, if they break the law, it means everything they believe is wrong, and I will never listen to that person. But we know that Jesus was in a place of, um, well, Jesus knew who he was. He was secure. He knew the Father and the Father's heart. He knew where he came from and where he was going. So the thing that seemed to us that are contradicted in him, they coexist. Because Jesus did not question himself. Jesus did not have doubts of who he is because of some outward actions. Jesus operated from a place of knowing who he was and who the Father was. Jesus didn't question the Father's heart. He was one with the Father and fulfilled his purpose. But as we go through life, we have many questions that don't have an answer. Um, and according to a 2019 studies, people that have been diagnosed with depression, they have often asked some or all of these questions. Who am I? Do I matter? And what's the point? These seem, everything in our life that we question at times seems to boil down to these three questions. Who am I? Do I matter? And what's the point? And we all have had these questions at some point or another. We all, it seems that much of life is trying to find the answer to these questions. Sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. Sometimes in the right places, sometimes not in the, in the not so right places. Um, but we all have these questions like, what holds us back sometimes? What is it that makes us wonder and doubt who we are? What is it that gets us to question our identity as a mom, friend, wife, daughter, sister? What is it that something on the outside makes me question something on the inside of me? And we're always on a quest of finding what makes us tick the way we do and how, what makes us think, what makes us act in certain ways. Why is something bothering me so much? Why, why, why? We all have a lot of why questions. And a lot of times it seems I don't have an answer uh, or a straightforward answer. And we might say, um, these are questions that we often have and we don't seem to have an answer, or spend the time to answer within us, or we find the answer somewhere else. Because sometimes we say this, oh, that made me really upset, but it's only because I'm really tired. Otherwise, this would have not made me upset. Or, I know I overreacted, but only because they were so annoying, and 
they did this to annoy me. Or I would have done that, but I'm just really, really busy right now. And those things all might be true to some extent, but there is also something within us underneath all that. There is something behind the, ah, I, would have never, I, haven't, I wouldn't have usually got upset, but it's because I'm tired. Yes, that is true, but also there is something under that makes you upset that wouldn't make me upset. There is something underneath that might cause me to overreact that will not cause you to overreact and nothing to do with the person outside of me. There is something underneath all the surface that makes us cry, that makes us annoyed, upset, frustrated, sad, joyful, happy, and they, they will be different things from person to person. But these things tell us a lot about ourselves, tell us who we are. And one of the first messages I ever heard Paul Hubbard preach in this church uh, was this. And he would ask these specific questions. Have you identified what makes you upset? What makes you angry? And I remember that time, long, long time ago. I remember thinking, that's a bit of a silly question because just don't get angry or upset. Of course, we all have things that makes us upset and angry. Just try not to because being angry and upset is a bad thing, right? So then just try not to. Or if something ticks you, just try not to be in that situation again. So it was all about control, as if it's that simple. But what I did not know at that time, and I have learned over the years, is that we all have different things that tick us because of our own individual pasts and our own individual things that have shaped us. Things that have happened to us that shaped us. Different things that make us cry, that make us angry, that make us upset. Different reasons behind it. We might cry at the same thing. And I'm crying because I remember the movie that I watched last night. And you're crying because your dog passed away when you were a child. We can look at something and make us laugh. And I'm laughing because of something. And you're laughing because of something completely different. When we look at one another, it looks like, well, I know everything. They wear this every Sunday and they do this every Sunday. So I know them, but we don't really. We are also very different. And there are so many things behind what makes us who we are that tell us so much more about who we are. So when Paul asked those questions, what he was asking was, do you know you? Do you know from which place you react in a certain situation? Do you know in which place within you it hits you when you hear something? Because the truth is this, my reaction to mostly everything around me is reflecting what is inside of me. My initial reaction, even if my response after that is different, but my initial reaction tells me something about me. We can debate, debate after that what they said was right or wrong, or what they did was right or wrong, and we might be right. But the initial reaction within me is more about me than them. When I hear something, I go, oh. And then I'm, wait, I'm in a public situation. I have to be like, oh, that's lovely. Take a hold of that first reaction and think, why did I have that reaction? What is it within me? Because even though it's about them, well, tomorrow they won't be here and you are going to be here. So what is it about you that made you react? What within you? made you have that first initial response. And 
as people, we have trained ourselves to have different reactions outwardly, which is fine. You, you might not always tell the pe person next to you, they look so tired because that was your initial reaction. But taking a hold of your initial reaction and your initial response and what place within your heads is very important to tell you about you. So do you know you? Because Jesus did. Jesus knew himself. Jesus walked and operated out of the knowledge of who he was at all times. Of the knowledge of who the father was, of where he was going and what he was meant to do. What people around him did, did not shake him. Did not make him doubt his identity in the father. Um, over the years, research has found that it comes down to these three things. Security, self-worth, and significance. Or in other words, belonging, value, and purpose. This is what we all want. This is what our heart, soul, mind longs for. I want to belong. I want to feel like I'm valuable. And I want to feel like I have a purpose. And we try to find these things in all different ways and all different places. So before we carry on, let me say this. When you look at somebody and they will do an action or a choice that you wouldn't do or you think, I would never do that. And you might think, oh, that is so silly. The truth is that each one of us make choices out of these three places, out of finding our security, self-worth, and significance. It doesn't say that we always do it in the right way or finding the right places. But this is something within us that we want to find. These are the things that we all long for, the, the things that we often operate out of, the things that drive a lot of our action, behavior, and questions. Because what happens is, when I try to debunk the, the paradox of how can I be a good mother and, also don't, and my kids also don't sleep all night, or how can I be a good mother and... Um, shout at them at times, not that I do. Um, how can I be a good mother and want to like have some time away from them? How can... Their reaction tells me something. I remember a little while ago, um, and before I say, tell you the story, I'll, I want to remind you that we are in a place and a time where we have never, uh, that we are more exposed to what people are doing than ever, in, ever in history. You know, 50 years ago, my grandparents would have had um, only a few mom friends to compare themselves with. Now I have a million that are online and they're in front of me all the time. And I get to see the amazing people and parents they are and the choices that they make or the choices they choose to post to the internet and for me to compare myself with. But never has it been a time where I was able to look at something across the globe and see what that person is doing that made me question my identity. So a few weeks ago, I saw this one particular mom uh, online, far away, never met her, you know. So of course, everything she says is true because I've never met her and she posts everything that's true. But she said, oh, my child sleeps every single night from half past six to half past six. And I remember thinking, mm, do they though? And I remember thinking, no, they don't. That's not really good for them. This is my thought, that's not really good for them. And then I, I caught myself and I was like, wait a second, what am I doing here? What am I saying? Why am I so, I was a little bit bitter. Why am I so, and, 
And I realized that it hit something in me because, well, at that point, my kids didn't sleep half six to half six, which what told me was like, am I a good mother? She must be a great mother because her kids sleep half six to half six. Uh, my kids doesn't. Am I a good mother? And then it hits all these places. And if I wasn't careful, I would have let that bitterness overtake my response, my conversations, my everything, even my attitude to my kids' sleep that night when I put them to bed. But taking a hold of that initial reaction and thinking, okay, where is this taking me? What part of my identity is hitting? And I realized it, it just put this massive question mark over my head of, am I a good mother? And underneath that is my value or my need to feel valued, my worth. And in that moment, what it tells me is that if I find my value and worth, that in that moment, it tells me that I find my value and worth in the role of a mother. Am I a good one? Therefore, I value. Therefore, I matter. Am I not a good mother? And when I answer no, it's by a really silly standard that I have placed on myself. But when my answer is no, then I crumble. I question my identity. I question who I am and what is my worth. Oh, well, my child doesn't sleep half six to half six. Therefore, I must be a bad mother. If I'm a bad mother, then who am I? Oh, my goodness. And then you go down this train of thoughts that it's never helpful. It's never building. It's just, yeah, I question everything about who I am from this one thing. Jesus was able to sleep during the storm, not because he was a deep sleeper, but because he was secure. He had no fear of the storm. He had no doubts. He knew that this was not his time to die. He was at complete peace. Nothing that was going to happen on the outside was going to affect who he was. What are the questions you have when two things that don't seem to both be true arise? What are those questions telling you? Because I can spend the longest time trying to wrestle with the contradicting thoughts in my mind and try to control them. Oh, am I a good mother? Or do I lose my temper? Okay, well, actually, let's, let's do everything in my power today to control my day, to control my children, to control every external factor of my day and everyone around me, because we're going to come in contact with about 150 people today. And I will control all of that. Therefore, I will not lose my temper. Therefore, at the end of the day, I will go to bed feeling like a good mother. Well, I can do that. But let me tell you, first of all, it won't work very well because I can't control people around me in situations and weather and what color cup my child will receive at nursery. But what I can control is me. When the question of, am I a good mother because I snapped on my children today, comes, I can wrestle with it. And next time arises, I can control my reactions, my children. But if I have not identified the root underneath the question, the question will keep arising. And if it doesn't arise in this situation, it will arise in a different situation. This uncertainty and insecurity within me will not go away because I control the outward situation. If I have not identified the root behind the insecurity, the question will keep arising. The uncertainty and insecurity within me will not go away because I controlled an outward event. 
So what do I do? How do I grow in security, significance, and self-worth? How do I not let the contradicting thoughts take over and make me question my identity, my belonging, my value, my purpose? This is what I've learned, that I, have, I must go deeper in him. I must find the answer to all these questions in him. What does he say about me? Before I even opened my eyes and interacted with my children, what does he say about me? He says, you are an amazing daughter. You are an amazing mother. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are precious. You are valued. Before you do all those things, my foundation needs to be in him and on him. Um, let's put the next play. Are you familiar with kinetic sand? Um, kinetic sand is a little bit like normal sand, but when you push it into a shape, it stays that shape. And it's kind of like, it, it gives you the illusion that it's very hard and you could like, you know, you could either cut it up and it keeps its shape. And, but as soon as you kind of like go closer to it and you try to pick it up within your fingers, it just crumbles. It just, yeah, doesn't hold the shape. If my foundation is based on the things that I do, the role that I have, the people that like me or dislike me, it will eventually crumble. There is no substance and it does not hold the weight of heavy things. If my identity and my whole identity is on the fact that I am a good mother because of the things that I do, then when the things come to try to overtake that, and they will come because life is life, then my identity is questioned all over again. And that is not very healthy for me to do that 350 times a day, question my identity and pick myself up. So how do I practically do this? The truth is, as I was writing this, okay, I almost wrote like 10 steps too. The, the, the truth is I don't have a simple answer for this uh, or a 10-step program to become more like Jesus or, um, you know, go deeper with him. Because... I believe there's no quick and easy fix because the best things aren't quick and easy. And probably the answer, this is probably not the answer you were hoping for and not the answer I was hoping for many years ago when I started on this journey. But I believe that we need to become increasingly aware of the God that lives within us. I know now that I'm speaking to you and I'm talking to you, I know the father says before I even wake up and interact with my children, my husband, my friends, my work, I know what he says about me. But in the moment, do I know it? Do I keep those thoughts and those words that the father says about me at the forefront of my mind? Or do they go somewhere in the back and then that I go to when I'm desperate or when I'm at the bottom Increase, Becoming increasingly more aware, it's something that you need to do because the truth has already been spoken over you because he already has done everything for you. I believe we need to become increasingly aware of the, of the God that lives within us and the love that he has for us. This is fact and this is the truth. Your awareness of the truth does not make the truth less true. It just changes your reaction to it. If you are not aware of the truth that he has spoken over you, he can carry on speaking over you. You need to become aware of it. You need to take a hold of it. I need to put those words 
at the forefront of my mind. And then I mean practically putting them at the forefront of my mind by writing them on the wall so I can see them when I wake up. It might mean um, asking my friend to remind me about them all, all the time. It might mean recording myself, telling myself to be kind to myself in those moments. It might mean an array of different things because you've guessed it, we are all different. But becoming aware of the truth of who he is and the love that he has for you, it is something that I can do. He cannot pour more love because he's already poured out all his love. God is love. He, he doesn't love you. He is love. He, yeah, all that comes from him is love and goodness. So to what level do I know this love? So if I want to measure on this journey how far I am to becoming more like Jesus, I can measure by how, to what level do I know his love for me? To what extent do I respond and act out of his love for me? And to what extent do I respond out of my own insecurities, fears, questions, doubts? Do you know the answer to those questions? Have you spent some time finding the answer? When I find my security, significance, and self-worth in him, it's not because I did something to earn it, not because I followed a set of rules and regulations, and not because I deserve it, because I don't, but because he is love, and love gives. I need to become increasingly aware of this truth and live out of it. I need to thank him for his love. That's how I become more and more of it. I speak it over myself, over the situation around me. I thank him for it. The more I aware I am of his love and of his love in, within me, the more I am flowing out of it and out of me, the more I operate out of it. And he becomes my foundation. And that foundation does not shake. But in order to do this, I need to become more and more aware. I need to consciously thank him for his love, even when I don't feel it. Thanking him for his love, for what he has done, for who he is. When you don't feel it, it's the most powerful thing that breaks through. It is quite easy to thank my husband and to be super amazing with him when he has done all the things that I asked him. When he has cleaned the kitchen the way I, I want him. But it is much harder to remind myself on when he's done something that I don't really feel like it. But that's where the power Lace. That's where the breakthrough happens. When you speak and remind and become aware of his love, of who he is, not who you are, in the moment we don't feel like it. Making the decision to use my voice to speak over the truth rather than trying to solve a paradox. Is it this or is it this? Three hours later, is it this or is it this? Well, I've wasted three hours because I still don't have the answer. And I want to finish by reading Psalm 136. And I love this Psalm because after every line, it says, his love endures forever. And it's such a great reminder. It was a great reminder for David then. And it's a great reminder for us today that his love endures forever. And it's, yeah, it's a beautiful Psalm. So let's read it together. And then we can finish. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. 
who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it. His love endures forever. The psalm goes on for about 20 more verses. But this morning, I want to encourage you, what are the things that you might be able to replace in this psalm? Some of the verses that you can remind yourself that his love endures forever. Give thanks to God that woke me up this morning. His love endures forever. The God that gave me my job that I'm moaning to go to, his love endures forever. The children are waking me up three hours earlier than I would have liked. His love endures forever. What can you say and declare that over that his love endures forever? Let's have the music team and let's finish with this song and spend some time pondering on those words. Can, 